Alrighty guys, and welcome to another episode of the Bare Naked Health Podcast. And on the line today, I have Nico Becker. Nico, first question I always ask people who come on the show is, share with us your health journey up until this point. Okay, uh, that's a big, big start, and I don't know really where to start, but I think it starts with me, with about 16, becoming a fighter. Um, I started with 14, fighting martial arts, karate, and everything. And with, ups, uh, with about 16, 17, I want to become professional. Yeah. Um, I didn't want to go to university and just go that route. I went down to Switzerland. I'm normally from Germany. And um, had a buddy who was world champion, had his own gym, and wanted to get me to be professional. Um, during that time, I, I, I got so many injuries. Um, so many injuries because my start wasn't really a healthy start. I was overweight when I got into it. Um, I was really not in a healthy base and then just jumped into professional training, you know, like two, three times a day, every day. Um, I didn't have any money because, as, as I said, I worked as a bouncer on the weekends um, and really had to live off of brown rice and beans and eggs <laughs> for all these years. So I, I, I got so many injuries um, and then I went to the Caribbean. That's really where my journey started. Um, I went to the Caribbean, wanted to fight there too, was training like like an idiot um, was only eating white rice with ketchup, really. And <laughs> yeah, good luck recovering crazy, on really. that. Yeah, yeah, it was the opposite from what you want to do. But um, then I get uh, in the Caribbean. I got appendicitis, so I was on Aruba. Got appendicitis um, about after I think six weeks in the Caribbean, full training, and they sent me home. They just gave me some paracetamol, um, so just some medication against pain. Sent me home. Say yeah, it's it's don't worry. The next day, the next morning, I woke up and I thought, I'm dying. Um, and actually, the appendix exploded. So it bursted, and I went into hospital directly. Um, they had to give me surgery directly. And to make it short, I had two surgeries in the Caribbean within three weeks. I didn't get out of hospital. I had a CRP of 500, which is the inflammation rate, uh, quite crazy. I had a standstill of all my digestive tracts. I puked my own shit to make it fun. <laughs> oh my goodness. Um, I was in hell, man. Um, I got a medical flight back to Germany, my own, my own plane back to Germany. I had another surgery and spent there for three, uh, another three weeks recovering. Uh, luckily I survived, but I took about six weeks. I took the strongest antibiotics and I came out of hospital about 30 pounds lighter than before. Um, I was weak. I was really destroyed. My digestive tract was destroyed. Um, they told me I can go home, but I didn't digest anything. I was really wrecked for about one year, uh, which took me to recover. But I was so um, so full of fire and wanted to get back, back into fighting that I just started right right at that point. I got back into it, and I, I really destroyed my body. I had uh, In that next year of recovery, I trained and fought, and I had two big knee injuries, uh, the meniscus, they had to take out about 90 to 95% of, of the meniscus. After that surgery, uh, two weeks after that, I had a big fight and really destroyed my knee, my cartilage damage, two to three, so really nothing left. Um, and I was stopped for about one year. So I couldn't train for about one year. I couldn't, I, I couldn't really walk. I could walk maybe half a mile before I got too much pain and swelling. So I was, everything that I thought I was a fighter and I would become was taken away from me, um, in a sense. But that was the biggest gift, because in that year I went into deep depression, 
but what I found was an old book in my bookshelf, How to Eat Move and Be Healthy, which I had a few years. <laughs> I, I, I followed Elliot Hulse, and in that year, I was just like, what can I do? And I found How to Eat Move and Be Healthy back, and I was like, hmm, okay, maybe there's something in there. I started to implement it. I started to watch Paul Check on YouTube, try to figure some stuff out, and really, really fast, even after stuff like just implementing bone broth into my diet. Things changed. The inflammation got down. I could walk more. I could even start to, tra <clears throat> sorry, to train more. And uh, I started to do HLC1. I found HLC1, the course, the first course of the check system. Um, I started to implement that. And I, I saw just, wow, this is so powerful. Um, all the doctors told me I need to get a knee replacement. I need to get a new knee joint. Uh, I can never do sports again, never train again. But see here, about half a year later, just implementing that stuff. I could begin to train again. My knee was getting better. My cartilage seemed to get back, even though it's said to be impossible. Um, all these things really brought a new passion up, and, and fighting was more less and less interesting. And this whole healing journey was getting more and more interesting to me. And I saw so many fighters around me losing their careers um, or losing their dreams due to injuries or to, to illness that I thought, wow, I don't even want to fight anymore. This is not even my dream anymore. I want to become a practitioner of some sort. I want to help these other fighters. So I really started out my journey with, with training fighters. I was a boxing trainer before already. And I went more and more into helping people um, with the injuries, with illness. And it shifted away even from the, the whole fighting area. Um, the more and more I dived into the holistic consciousness, and maybe even spiritual devel development, we could say, the more and more I drifted away from the whole fighting scene in a sense where most of it is, is really about power, you know, and about, oh, who's the strongest. And um, I really got out of it and got more and more into health coaching, holistic lifestyle coaching. And at a certain point, about about three and a half years ago, I decided I want to become my own coach, have my own business, and just take on private clients. Now, as we shared before the show, yeah. uh, it's not to start there and it's, it's, it was a long journey really to get to get my first clients and to see what is my business really about what am I doing here um, how can I get people in um, and what is the kind of coaching I'm doing now today and that's the last two years I'm traveling really all over the world um, having other private clients in the place I am so more as a retreat style for a week or now I go to Africa for three months I have a client there in Nigeria and um, I love this. And the other side is I do online coaching. So I, I try to stay in contact with all my clients all over the world and do online coaching from one to four times a month, really. Uh, sometimes every few months just to stay in contact after a big retreat or whatever. And that's where I am today, to make it really short. <laughs> I'm want to. i I'm curious, like, actually, one of the last things you talked about, like, the retreats. Because uh, this is, I think, kind of where I saw you. Like, well, it was, um, we were talking, like, okay, uh, Jeff connected us. And, and, like, seeing you, like, at the Holistic play Playground. Like, what what is, uh, I, I have so many questions here. It's like, okay, well, what are, I guess, just first of all, like, your retreats look like? What it, I, I saw, like, it looked like on your website, like, there are multiple different things that you'll do. Uh, but what does that really entail? Um, it's, it's a good question because my main part of the retreats I'm doing at the moment is really single person retreats where somebody books me in for some goal they have, be it an injury, uh, rehab, like, like they had surgery, whatever it's, it's over a few weeks or months, but they still have trouble. 
back pain, um, a certain illness or a certain problem. Well, really, a lot of my clients have gut problems, like huge gut problems that keep them away from work um, or from performing well, or people even that just want to lose weight, um, but they get me in to their place and I book an Airbnb, or maybe I even stay at their place if they have a big enough big enough house, with, which some people have. Um, and I just take them through really the whole holistic site. So we do physical work, of course, exercise, I write them exercise programs. I take them to, through the corrective exercises, through movement patterns, and bring them back to perform well. But then there's the whole other side, which got more and more important to me, um, which we could call personal development or holistic lifestyle coaching, where we really talk about your life in general, um, your rhythm of life, what your day looks like, your dreams, your goals in life, and your mental emotional uh, the mental emotional parts of your life really what are you happy with what are you unhappy with what do you want to change and i try to look into um where are the correlations between maybe where your life or your mental emotional challenges inhibit your personal uh or physical performance in certain areas um that can look like shadow work work with archetypes um even stuff like drawing artwork um, tai Chi meditation practices, I'm a yoga teacher as well, all that is very important to me. And I t take people through certain different parts. Um, so a normal day of my retreat, just to share it shortly, would be the morning starts out, out with a morning practice. And I just share different ways that you can, can bring in a morning practice for yourself because I believe it's very, very powerful to have a morning practice for ourselves. Um, that I take them through different things like Tai Chi, Qigong, maybe yoga, maybe just talk, taking a walk and listening to something, reading, um, and just share what I've done in the last eight years myself. Um, then after that, maybe a good nutritionist meal. And I love to cook together with my clients. So I, I love to cook. I'm, I'm quite good cook, you could say, I, I believe. <laughs> um, and I take them through how can you make healthy food delicious because I think that's a very, very important part. Um, we all know we need to eat more veggies, we need to eat more salads and, and healthy foods, but it's not that easy if the food you try to cook doesn't taste good. So cooking classes, in a sense, are very important to me. Um, during that, of course, I share as much nutrition content or nutrition knowledge I can with them, um, look into food intolerances, teach them intuitive eating, so how they can really decide from a day-to-day -day basis um, what their daily metabolic type is, what they really need on a daily basis. Um, do you need meat today? Do you need uh, lots of carbs today? What does your day look like? How do you decide that? And all these different things. Um, then after that, I go into movement. And we have movement practice, which could be corrective exercise if it's needed. Could be performance exercise if it's an, if it's an athlete. But with most people, it's really starting out with corrective exercise because even the athletes all nearly everybody has postural imbalances, problems with the physique, um, small niggling injuries that hold them back from the performance, um, or just having access to actually get closer to your goal, be it weight loss, whatever that is. Um, in the afternoon, it would be mental emotional coaching, would be in going into your life, into your legacy. Um, a big part of what I do is leg legacy manifest manifestation coaching, which is um, we look into your life and into your dreams and what you really want. And the first question I always ask my, my clients is, what would your life look like in five years if today you win $100 million? Now, 
most people, if you don't say the five years, they tell you they want to go travel, they want to give money to whoever. Once you it's get all, all that out of the way kind of thing, right. Yeah, yeah. that's it. Once what you, you get actually all that out, do with your life, right. It's it. What, what does it look like? What, what gives you joy? What gives you passion? And how can we get closer to that? Now, most people don't even believe that a life like that is possible. Um, and a big part of my work is really um, what could be called shadow work to see where are these beliefs coming from that are holding you back from from believing in yourself and believing that life can be wonderful. Life does not have to be to have a, a job that you don't like, a family that you never see or never spend time with, uh, never having enough money to do what you love, and, and all these different aspects where we see challenges or see pain in, in our lives, um, but they really hold us back in the sense that I believe everything is possible. I believe you can live the life that you want. I don't say life is easy. Um, and there comes coaching in, which we could say it's the spiritual side, really life philosophy, what I think is very important. Because if we believe, like in, in nihilism, where the world is just evil, uh, the world is shit, and if we have this mindset and this belief set, there's little you can do with a client to, to change their lives because they believe life is bad. They believe bad things happen because we are all sinners or whatever their belief system is. Um, and that can hold people back. So I try to share as much as I can life philosophy. And it's really a big transform transformational process. The evenings are generally spent with rituals. So I take them on shamanic journeys, um, breathwork journeys, drumming journeys, artwork um, to explore we could say the the magical part of life to get back what um, what Paul Check, for example, always says is the four questions of a shaman. When did you stop dancing? When did you stop singing? When did you stop enjoying silence or being alone? And when did you stop enjoying stories? So the evening could even be watching a movie together with them because sometimes I get clients who are so um, so evolved in a sense in personal development and so in there that they'll forget what life is really about. And they're so obsessed with hustling the work and with success and with, I need to meditate and everything is so strict that even watching a movie like Harry Potter or Lord of Rings and then pointing out certain things where the hero's journey is coming into that or, or where really life philosophy is reflected in a movie or in a story can be very important work of getting them back to their healing. Um, yeah, and then go to sleep early, teach them why and do the same thing again as long as they want uh, with many different aspects and many different variations, of course. Well, one of the things you talked about in there was uh, just like daily rhythm, daily rituals, that type of thing. Like, now I'm curious, like what, if you're not necessarily working with somebody like that, like what does your day look like then too? Um, really the same way. It's, it's, it's quite funny and that's why I love my work because what I'm doing in my work when I have a, a client, I just share what I'm doing in my day. When I wake up, I have a morning practice, I have my meditation, my Tai Chi, um, my studies every day, and nature time is very important for me. So getting out in nature at least once or twice a week for, for half or a whole day, being out there, I love survival and, and camping, what people would call camping, maybe. Um, but for me, it's more <laughs> getting out in the woods with a knife, making a fire and sleeping outside. Uh, maybe cooking a big leg lamp, uh, uh, lamp leg on there and just enjoying being in nature. But the rest of my day is really doing all the same things, maybe a little bit more study, to study for my clients, to figure out how can I help people better. Um, I love to study psychology, Carl Jung, 
and all these things and then spending time with my wife of course and hanging out and and really my my evenings my an important part of my days unbound play so my evenings could be listening to music and dancing or quite often it could be to binge some kind of netflix series or whatever and people always ask me how can you do that as a coach and and it's so funny because it's it's important and that's the last question of a shaman that i shared um when did you feel uh, when did you stop feeling enchanted by stories? Now, sitting at a campfire in the evening and listening to the stories of the elders is really a big part that we lack today because it was an integral part of our whole society. It was the main part how we learned about life, how we learned about what life is about. Now, movies can replace that to a certain degree and stories or reading a, a beautiful book and it doesn't necessarily need to be a self-development book or all these, you know, psychology big book and all the heavy stuff. We could just read Harry Potter like I shared and gain tremendous things out of it. Learn about the hero's journey. Learn about the the development of the psyche in, in, in humans and, and how we actually um, treat life, how we actually get in contact with life. Because I, th- I, know, I know most people don't think about it, but when you try to think about it. We are flying around on a rock through the universe. There's somehow life in here and we are quite intelligent and we don't have a single clue what the fuck is going on in the universe. We know it's nothing. accurate, yeah. <laughs> it's crazy. And losing this mystery is, is really sad because we forget that out there is so much magic, so much beautiful things to discover. Um, and of course, traveling is a big part. Nico, how are you as a storyteller? Uh, it's, a, it's a good question. Um, where, where are you coming from? With okay, that so yeah, let me give a little more context. Like, the reason I'm asking is one of my college roommates, like, he, he just can tell a captivating story where you're just sitting there and it could be uh, like a night from a year ago, a, a night, like the, the night before, a year ago, 10 years ago. He, he's just like, on point with it. And I'm so fascinated by that when you bring up the storytelling, because I, I, I don't feel that I'm a great storyteller. It's one of those, like, I almost want to cultivate that, like, because I, I am so fascinated by them myself. Uh, so that's kind of where I'm coming from to see, like, how do you find yourself as a storyteller or what do you do to, uh, I, I guess, I, I mean, that's how you almost cultivate it in your own life is maybe like, like you said, binge out on a Netflix show or something like that. Uh, but that's kind of where I'm going with that. Yeah, I, I, I feel myself as not necessarily a good storyteller, um, but more just sharing about life. I know there are some people who just can tell the story so captivating and so intensively, and they really have that archetype. They are really born to do that. And, of course, we see that in authors or in filmmakers and screenwriters and all that. Um, I would love to get more into it, and, and I think my the life I'm living, what I'm doing, um, is really what a person needs to do to be a good storyteller one time. My, my life is really crazy. Um, I, I can't share how, to how many different places I was and how I lived. I mean, I lived in a Volkswagen van for about one year. I was um, <laughs> I was more or less homeless, sleeping in a gym, in, a, in an MMA gym, for a few months, just living in the gym and training there on white rice. I've met all kinds of people. I've met, I met people who who 
were murderers and and were robbing banks with 10 years old so really gaining this experience of meeting many different people and then yeah reading stories yourself all that um but for me becoming a storyteller or just becoming a wise elder one day when i'm old is really about gaining experiences in life and i think what is holding us back from from doing that becoming really wise man or wise woman at a certain point or wise leader um, is that most people nowadays shy away from negative experiences. We, are, we want to be so much in our comfort zone that the stories that we want to listen to never occur. Because who wants to listen to a story or who wants to watch a movie which is freaking boring and just tells a story about a person who has a 9-to-5 job, does, <laughs> does nothing in his life, and just comes home, drinks a beer, and watches football? Nobody wants to watch that because it's boring. And it's it's really going into life and going even into your fears and accepting that the negative stories and all the negative shit that happens makes your story so powerful that that's the stuff that makes our life really meaningful because that's what we when we look back back to and that's when i look back on my injuries on my losses on living in the gym for three months now it was really not fun living in in a in a gym where people come by all day long and you have no place to hide and living off of white rice and ketchup, it's not fun. Uh, being in the Caribbean and nearly dying, that was nece- not necessarily fun. Puking my own shit was not fun. But I'm actually really glad I had all these experiences. Um, I'm actually really happy because I have something to share and I have a bigger perspective of life because of all these experiences. Um, but yeah, that's that's where life philosophy is coming in. And we, if we believe, and our belief is, um, life needs to be perfect. It needs to be safe. We always need to have money, and everything needs to work out just fine. Then that's your life philosophy, and that's good. But in in my experience, it's not necessarily what makes people happy in the end. Uh, it's not what makes people happy in a deep, intrinsic way, where you're happy even if you're in depression. And and that sounds crazy, but you can have a depression. You can have immense anxiety to lose your business whatever but internally you are fulfilled you're happy because you're living a life worth living you're living a life worth fighting for um life is always duality in, in my opinion life is always good and bad you'll never have a life where everything works out just try that for a few years but you see people die around you there's a war everywhere to have a life like that you really would need to close your eyes and get numb but if you we open our eyes and look into the world we see there is shit. I mean, I, when I look to, I'm going to Africa now. And I was in Vietnam. When you see people on the street there having nothing, some people are going hungry and are dying on the streets, you get really sad if you're open. And you see life is not just flowers. But if we're able to accept that and say, okay, but what makes it worth living in this duality? What, what makes it worth to go through to depression? What takes me through that? What is carrying me through that? And if you find that one thing, and that's what I call a legacy, um, it, it will carry you through your life, carry you through the challenges, and then you have a big story, a beautiful story, a story that one day you can tell. Where do you see your legacy at right now? Like, what it, what is it? Like, I think I think you've shared like, okay, kind of what your life is all about right now. But where do you see your legacy going? You ask beautiful questions. Um, <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> that's what I ask my, my clients as well. Yeah. Um, it's, it, I mean, you can, you can pick out different aspects. 
But my main legacy to make it short is really to help people find something and express that something, which takes them through the duality and the never-ending changes in life. That's my legacy. Um, that is, to a certain degree, health, because we need to feel healthy. We need to feel strong in our body to deal with life, because life can be really challenging. Um, when, I mean, everything can happen. Let's just say you lose your business. If you are physically not healthy and you're not having enough life energy, you won't have the capacity to build something new. You won't have the motivation, just the energy to go through that, to go through the pain, to go through having little money and to still work your ass off, to still make decisions with, which are the ones that take you further. Um, so health is a big aspect, of course, and our physical health also relates to our mental emotional state, of course. We all know that. Um, well, most of us know. Um, I think it's becoming more common knowledge than it used common. to be, but it's now it's exploring those depths, yeah. Yeah, it's it's for sure. Um, and then, of course, there's there's the, the mental emotional standpoint point from... Uh, which is a big, big field, the unconscious, because we have to remember most of us really don't know why we do shit. We, we don't know why we take certain choices. And yeah, we can say, when we just look at choices of people, and let's say people that go to McDonald's and that are overweight, and there are probably lots of people which are overweight, go to McDonald's still multiple times a week and eat sweets and drink beer and whatever, but at, at the same time, they want to lose weight. The dream is to lose weight. Now, there are lots of people out there who just don't know why they always choose to eat shit. So the unconscious is really the part of us that dictates our life without us knowing why. There's just there are certain drives that drive us. There are certain fears. There's, there are certain beliefs or things that are holding us back from just going after it. Maybe you want to become a gardener or you want to build your own business or you, you want to do something. But there's a certain part in you that is holding you back and you don't know why. Now, we have a big, big, big part of coaches out there which are what I call the hustlers or the, you know, the just go through it. And um, there are many people that are doing great work, um, but a lot of them really just look into the push it, push it, push it, and just go through it. Um, I don't really believe in that because you don't heal the complex or you don't heal the thing that is behind why you are doing it. Now, Gabo Mate, do you know Gabo Mate? Uh, no, I saw one of your videos on your website about him, but I don't know him, okay. no. He's he's very beautiful guy, very powerful guy, and he talks about addiction. Now, how I use addiction, and, and Paul does, Paul Czech does do as well in a certain way, um, is that really every negative thing in your life that you're doing, every negative choice um, for your dream. So if you want to lose weight, Every choice you're taking, which is taking away, taking you away from your dream to lose weight, but you don't know why you're doing it, you, you have no clear intention to do it, that is an addiction. So if you your dream is really to lose weight and you feel, I want to lose weight, I'm 100 pounds overweight, whatever, but there are all kinds of behaviors, going, going to bed late, going um, to McDonald's five times a week, overeating all the time. Um, all these behaviors, yeah, you can just say, oh, push through it, eat less, fast, uh, train more. Yeah, you can do that. But Gabo Mat is, is the guy who says, don't ask why the addiction, but why the pain. The addiction, the going to McDonald's, the eating the sweets, the smoking the cigarettes, the drinking the alcohol, 
all that is there to give you something, to numb the pain, to heal the pain, to give you some form of safe love. Because the bottle doesn't hurt you. The, the hamburger doesn't hurt you. They won't discuss, discuss sex life with, with you. They won't uh, say anything negative to you. So it's really a form of safe love. And we need to look, why does the person have pain? Or what is there in the person? What belief system? What is there that drives them to crave something to heal them? Now, if you just take it away, it's like a crying baby with a teddy bear and you take, a ba- take away the teddy bear. Um, you don't just want to take away an addiction. I, I don't when, – when somebody takes coaching with me and he's eating all kind of garbage, I'm not, I'm not just saying, okay, stop eating garbage. That, that would be idiotic in my, in my opinion because there's a reason why they're taking it. So small changes, what, what uh, Paul Cech teaches as rainbow bridges, are very, very helpful. So, okay, go on eating your sweets. We look into that mentally, emotionally, where that is coming from. Could be from lack of sweetness in relationships, lack of sweetness in your career, um, whatever different points, and we can get into that. But, but yeah, go on with that, but get everything you get in the organic supermarket. Every sweet you get, try to get it in organic. Try to get it a little bit better, you know, a little bit more nutrition, a little bit less toxins. Um, maybe make the pancakes you do gluten-free and in coconut oil instead of with gluten and in canola oil. And that will increase the energy. And that's where we come holistically around where we say, okay, we work on the body, we enhance the energy, the physical health, and that is going to help us to look into the mental emotional stuff. That is going to help us to maybe change your career if that is needed. If your career is giving you trouble because you hate your career, and that's something I always say, if I had to work a job I hate, let's say in some kind of fabric and I need to build shoes all day or whatever and just glue the sole on the shoe all day long, then probably in the evening I would come home and drink a bottle of vodka or whatever or five bottles of beer and watch a movie and do nothing else with my life. And that would be the only form of happiness that I have. Now, if then I then get a coach the coach comes and say, yes, yeah, stop drinking, stop watching movies late at night. What is there left? What should I live for? That was the only thing that made me happy. So it would be silly to do that. So maybe we need to change your career. So we really need to work on all levels at the same time. And sometimes maybe first work a little bit physically to get the energy up, um, to let you breathe better, for example, breathing exercises to really enhance the energy. And then we can look, okay, well, relationship problem, problems. Um, business problems, life philosophy problems, like your beliefs, why you're not doing certain things, um, the inability to say no to others, all those different aspects that can really push us down and hold us in our cage. So, Nico, we're talking all these things that might be holding us back, putting us down, like, what is it now, like, what are you currently working on for yourself? Because these are all excellent points, like, okay, how is that? Uh, how is that done practically, right? Like, all right, it, it sounds like you've made so many changes, and I, like, I can definitely tell you have. And I recognize this in myself. It's still there's always something that's going to be uh, needed to. Hey, you you want to work on? You want to better yourself? Or where are you at right now with that? Um, that's that's probably the most important point that everybody comes to, and especially coaches. And I think the one thing I'm working mostly on at the moment with myself is to stop wanting to work on me so much, in a sense. I've done so that much work and I've got... That is an amazing answer, thank you. 
man. Yeah, it's 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 very interesting. I see. I, I coach quite a lot of coaches, so sure. quite a lot of in the Czech system come to me. Yeah. Um. To 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 learn more about the stuff I do and whatever. And what I see again and again, of course, I see it in myself is this constant need to improve improve ourselves. This constant need to get better. Now I have a morning ritual. I have an evening ritual. I eat good and. Um, I live healthy, I train, I work on my business daily, but it's never enough. You know, it's 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 like, no, you're never good enough. You, you're never good enough. You have to get even better. You have to be better than Paul Cech, better than Elliot Hulse. You know, you have to, <laughs> you see other people on social media and no, you have to be even better than them. No, you see how, what they are doing. Oh, they have more six pack. They have an eight pack. They have a 12 pack. You know, <laughs> it's insane. And we get caught in this trap where, where, and that's where beliefs are coming in. What are we doing here anyway? All of us going to die. All of us going to die one day. And that's where legacy is coming in. And if I say my legacy is to help people to find that one thing that helps them through the duality and the changes of life, then I have to ask myself, do I have found, do I have found that? Yeah, I have I found it for sure. Because that thing, helping other people in that is that thing for me. Um, helping other people to get more healthy, to, to move through depression, all these things that I had to go through. Um, that really gives me motivation. It fills me. Now, do I still need to constantly think I'm not perfect enough? Um, the need for perfection, the addiction to perfection, is really the thing I'm working mostly on. Because my life philosophy, the, the one that I'm working on to implement, to get, to embody really, is to see that the world is imperfect. The world is duality. Even my legacy says it. There's always changes. So perfection can never occur. That There's nothing like perfection. And having the addiction to it, like I'm doing, I always want to have the perfect day. And if something comes to it and destroys my, my schedule, I'm pissed and I get annoyed. Now, how much of a of spiritual development is that? If, if just something disrupts my my um, I give you a beautiful example a very beautiful example I was meditating one day a few months ago back and we have a dog and I was meditating my girlfriend was away and in the midst of the meditation about 40 minutes in I was really deep everything was blissful beautiful and I felt so spiritual out there and I heard my dog started to have diarrhea right behind me and the first minute I got pissed man i stood up and i was sending him away and totally pissed i made it away and then i suddenly realized this is fucking blasphemy this is ridiculous i'm talking about spiritual development i'm <laughs> sitting here meditating my dog shits in the room and my emotions are unstable again i get i get crazy and i get angry how spiritual is that how developed is that and that was a big big point where i started to ask myself what am i doing all this for anyway and in the end, what I'm really trying to work on is to be more kind with myself and everybody else. And I'm, I'm quite good to be kind with everybody else. And I think that's what many people can relate to. But I've, I've not been so kind to myself. I have so high expectations. I'm, I'm 25 now. And in my head, my ego tells me I would need to be a millionaire already. And I need to have a business with so many clients everywhere. And everything needs to run perfectly. Um, but that's just not the way it is. I don't think that would be the perfect way. Um, but that's what I'm working on. That's where my, my ego tries to push me again and again, give me anxiety, depression, whatever shit we do not want to have. But it's there. 
<laughs> Nico, that was beautiful. Thank you for sharing. I mean, to to really be able to 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 face something like that, like you said, is uh, as as a coach who always wants perfection, perfection, perfection. It's like, no, you know what? Kick back and see the imperfections in it and embrace that. So that's that's actually really awesome to hear. Uh, we're you're not being blind to that. Like you, you said, like that, that's almost the shadow where you, where you had to overcome and now you're really working towards that. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's crazy because as coaches and as teachers or whatever you, you see yourself as a leader and as a certain to help other people, uh, we don't really give ourselves the permission to many, many things. So for example, um, now it was Christmas and I have a few pimples on my face because I just ate, lots of cookies. Now they were gluten-free, yeah, organic, but I just wanted to enjoy myself and have some cookies for Christmas. And then I see one or two pimples and my ego is directly like, oh no, you can't have a pimple, you know, you're a coach, you're a health coach, or what? you have a small injury and you think like, oh no, I'm a corrective exercise coach, you know, I, I, I can't have an injury. And that's all bullshit. And that's really the bullshit we try to, to, to tell ourselves that we need it to be perfect. Um, especially when we start coaching or when we when we are a coach. Um, and I think the biggest part and the most valuable part of being a coach at a certain point is when you have overcome that because then you're just a human. You're just a human. You've gone through a heck, lot of, uh, a heck of a lot of journeys. You've done all kinds of stuff. You've been in many different places. You achieved certain stuff, yeah, but you failed a lot as well. But then really comes the point where you can relate to other people. Now, for a certain certain time, about one and a half years, um, right after my surgeries and all that, and the depression when I started with the Czech stuff, my first courses, I was so strict. I was not 80-20, not 90-10, I was 100-0. And I even judged my family for eating Christmas dinner, which was not organic, you know, I didn't eat with them. I brought my own meat and really ridiculous stuff where, where I got so perfect that I started to judge other people for the imperfection. And you're not human then anymore. You can't relate anymore. Um, and after about one and a half years, it started to break down, especially when I was with, with Paul the first time himself and, and spent a day with him and saw him and saw just how much of a human he is and how, mu how much he can relate to normal people, how he has troubles, um, and how much more happy you feel once you decide I'm human. I don't want to be, be the Terminator or the perfect human. <laughs> just acting anyway it's just a big play you're doing because we all know we have these these feelings negative feelings emotions whatever coming through and just trying to ignore them and always play the spiritual developed perfect health coach um i don't think it's a healthy game it creates a gap between what you try to act out and what's your reality on the inside that's what gives us lots of health issues anyway I, I can see it in myself and, and that's where as you're talking about this it's like I have a two and a four year old kid uh, like my wife's pregnant like we have another kid coming it's like sometimes yeah I'm, I I feel like just going crazy when we get home right and then I realize it's like I I have to learn from them <laughs> and it's I think those are some of the biggest lessons is three o'clock in the morning like either somebody's up uh, they had a bad dream or just when they're a baby they're hungry and it's like I, but I'm not going to get my eight hours of sleep, my nine hours of sleep, whatever. It's, no, it doesn't matter. Like, enjoy that time together, embrace that. And it's just finding all of those things where it's, yeah, it, it, it can be a negative if you let it. 
Uh, or you can, again, try and see where you can learn from it and what you can, how you can grow from it. Yeah, when, and oh, I, go ahead. Okay. Um, one of the, the beautiful things which I try to share with my clients and which, which I actually coach many coaches in, that's a, a big part of it, is um, we, when we start with the whole health coaching journey or corrective exercise journey, and we, we start with getting to want, uh, wanting to get people healthy. And we start with that. Now, we learn all the theoretic stuff. We learn why nutrition is important and maybe the metabolic types or the individual diets. We learn about different nutrients. And we can learn all kinds of stuff, different kinds of exercise, stress levels. And we can get very scientific. Um, but what I found for myself in my own life and what I see in every single client is that you can do all the things right. You can sleep well, meditate, eat perfectly for your metabolic type, you can exercise, you sleep in organic cotton and wear only, you can do all the shit right. But if you are not living fully and embracing life fully, you won't be healthy. Um, and like I said, I was so strict for one and a half years, but I still had struggled with my digestive system. Um, I still had many, many difficulties with my health itself, uh, my skin health, for example. And once I stopped worrying so much about being perfect, once I just embraced life and just went into it and we started traveling, we lived in a van while I was a coach, travel through Europe, um, it really started to change. It really started to, um, I, I got more and more healthy even though I lived less and less healthy in a sense. My sleep rhythm, rhythms weren't as perfect since I'm traveling so much. The calculable um, health maybe, like, okay, you can look at it, you can quantify like this sleep yes. or that food, but like you yes. said, how do you calculate happiness? How do you calculate just that's it. being just loving what you're doing every day? So yeah, I think that's a great way to think about it. Or a, a great thing to share is like, it doesn't have to be, uh, the, everything is still affecting itself. The, the nutrition is affecting the sleep. The sleep is affecting your mindset. Your mindset is just affecting your activities and so on and so forth. That's, that's really what holistic is about. And, and it's, it's, scientifically known it's it's known in even the normal medical systems that a person with cancer who is loved and who has people around him that love him and that come to visit him has a much 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 higher chance to survive the illness or the disease than a person that is never has never people around him where nobody comes to visit and that's known everybody knows that love heals everybody accepts that but what is love what nutrient is it? What? How can you? How can you put it into? Is is playing football with your buddies, or is being out a whole night with a woman drinking wine? What is love? You know, what is it? And if it's giving us so much, and if it's make making life valuable, and is it? Here comes the thing. My 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 legacy that I shared to help people find the one thing to move through duality and move through the changes, ever, ever uh, never ending changes of life. Now, what is it? It's love. It's, it's having something you love. That is the thing that really moves you through life. It's the one thing that moves you through injuries. It's the one thing that lets you deal with the pain of a small kid having a nightmare at night. Now, imagine you just have an alarm in the night and you just would have to do that kind of work with a puppet. Not with, with your son or with your, with your child or your girl, but just with a puppet. And you just had to do that. You would die. You sleep, sleep. You would feel horrible the next day. But if it's the child you're loving, you can move through it. The same with birth. 
imagine the pain of birth. Man, it's known that man would die. Only woman can survive <laughs> that amount true. of pain. Now, now comes the question: How the heck is it that women don't get a trauma from giving birth? How is that? Torture gives us trauma. Being in a car accident can give us trauma. Um, being in war can give us trauma. All kinds of shit. Being raped, being just being beaten up in the streets by five people can give us trauma. But all the, those pains are really not a lot compared to the pain of birth, giving birth. Now, the concept we have, have about it, the, the thing behind that thing that we don't look at, uh, look at, that is what gives us the ability to deal with this change, with this duality, with this huge pain. And that is love. It is the love for our legacy to be a mother, to be a father, the love for the legacy to, to have a family all those different parts of, of the legacy we have or our love or what we want to represent in our life, that is driving us through those pains without trauma. So we see that there's a certain meaning in them. Now, when you're walking down the street and you're just suddenly beaten up and raped, there's no meaning in it for you. You can't conceptualize it. You, you can't, it's very hard to move through it. And for me as a coach, I, I love to work with trauma because moving through that and giving people concepts where they can actually put such experiences uh, into meaning, where they can give the, such experience meaning for their life, for their legacy. Um, that is really what heals the trauma, is to give meaning to it. And that sounds horrible, and, and I, I know it sounds horrible, but yeah, even giving meaning to a rape that has happened to you or some kind of shit is how you heal it. And the meaning could be, just to be there for other women who had the same experience. Um, just to see how evil the world can be so you yourself become a more loving light and more empathetic person. Many different things that, that different people would need as meaning or take on as meaning. Um, I don't even know how we got here, but uh, I think you know what I'm meaning. <laughs> no, and, and it's true. I mean, where can you go without love, right? Like it's yeah. it's going to be what carries us to, to make those changes, to to do what oh, we yeah, do on a daily basis and no it's it's hard to beat mm -hmm. yeah some some people ask me i'm you saw me at the beginning of the show i'm vaporizing tobacco mm -hmm. and of course paul check does that and m many people in the community vaporize tobacco or vaporize pot or even smoke joints and every now and then i smoke a joint um and i have fun and people ask me yeah how is it that you can do that and i'm i'm just sharing with them or i'm asking them okay if we look at the things that are unhealthy, going to the cinema is seriously unhealthy. There's a bunch of people in a small room. Everybody's unhealthy there. There's bacteria, all kinds of shit on the seats, fungus. Um, the screen is so bright, and if you go at night, it's going to disrupt your sleep rhythm, your hormonal rhythm. It's loud. It's bad for the ears. All kinds of shit. Which you can, there's popcorn and sweets around you, and maybe you even eat some of that shit. Um, then we have having a late night with a woman, a date, and drinking wine with her and having sex all night. Hey, what about your sleeper, the man? You need to sleep at 10. No sex after 10? <laughs> okay. <laughs> what about um, driving a race car on the racetrack? Is that healthy? No, fuck. You can die sky skydiving. Um, being in a holiday somewhere and traveling. Flying is freaking unhealthy with multiple reasons. Time zone traveling. So... I do that for a while with my clients that have these troubles and I may do that even for one hour and they don't know where I'm going. Then I ask them, okay, 
do you really want to be healthy? You know, do you really want to live the healthy life? If I take all those things away, nobody would want to live that life. Nobody would want to live a life without all these things. Having children is unhealthy. I mean, as you said, you need to wake up in the in at night. Your sleep rhythms are screwed. So all these things that make life valuable, many, many, many of them, are actually not what we would consider healthy. Um, are actually maybe what we would consider more like dying procedures, <laughs> and then making uh, us die faster. But same with smoking tobacco, smoking a joint, being out party all night and dance. But all these things are what make it valuable to live for. All these things are what makes it valuable to to eat good 80% of the time and to do the work of living healthy 80% of the time so you can enjoy those things for a long time without diseases, without energy crises, without depression. But we, we need these things to be healthy. We need those 20% as well to create the balance, to find something, to do the 80 for. Nico, I want to semi-shift gears here. One of the things, because uh, you even talked about it before, is like you, you like to get outside for like a half day, a day, at least every week or so, right? And it's, how does that connection to nature fit in for you? And one of the things I was going to ask you about too, off of that, is like uh, you had on your book list, like a couple of Tom Brown Jr.'s books. Like, have you ever taken like any courses from him? Or uh, if you just wouldn't mind sharing like your experience with that too. Yeah, yeah for sure. Um no, I've I've certainly not done a course with Tom Brown, but it's on the list actually for next year for two twenty. Um, I wouldn't do a course with him or with somebody else. Um, it's, I mean, how that started with me was my father was very much into that, into survival training and and stuff like Tom Brown is doing. Um, really going out in nature to survive on on the plants you can find and and uh, knowing about the herbs you find, hunting and all these things. Um, but it was less a practical thing and more storytelling really for my dad we it's not that i was hunting back then but i was fascinated by it um i started to read tracker from tom brown i I recommend it to everybody tracker tom brown it's a small book it's amazing it's fucking amazing um now how i relate that that whole thing it's, it's my personal passion but in the last one and a half years i would say i found out what it really means with health and what it means for our health as human beings and how it relates to that. Now, there are two aspects to that, what I want to get into. Um, and the first one is to remember where we're coming from. Now, when we just look at, at health itself, I think the most valuable tool we have is to look at evolution, to look at where are we coming from, what is our body designed, and our psyche de- designed to do, and the environment to live in, because that's where we adapt to, and that's, of course, where we would be healthy in. Um, of course, then we can say we need a certain amount of daylight. We've spent all day long outside. Now, we can create with, with science. We can say, what well, is a certain minimum where people maybe say 30 minutes of daylight, whatever. Um, I think it would be much more if we would be honest, but most people, it's just not possible. So, yeah, the bare minimum is maybe 30 to 60 minutes of really having daylight in your face. Um, then we can say the fresh air, the air in all buildings, even in New York, doesn't matter where you are, is at least 30 to 60 times more toxic than the outside. So if you're in a building, the air in there has 30 to 60 times more toxins, even in New York, when you get on the street, than the street itself, being on the street, even with all the cars, which is quite, kind of crazy. Um, then we can look at the, 
the context, stuff like grounding and earthing, like being barefoot in nature and the important aspects of that, uh, getting uh, connection with the earth so we can flood out all the, all the electricity that is around us, all the Wi-Fi and all the stuff and really being barefoot. There's many different aspects to it, but that's the scientific stuff we could look into the different aspects. But for me, what was quite interesting when I started studying stages of development, uh, study Ken Wilber, and of course Carl Jung talks about that as well, um, Gene Gapser, many different people who look into how is a human developing and how were we really developing as a species. Um, then we have to remember that the, the plants or lower animals like reptilians, the rep reptilian brain is still a part of us. Even the plant system is still a part of us. And that's why we call people in a coma uh, plants. They are called plants because they, their body functions more like a plant than that of, a, of an animal because they have no function going on from, the, from, the, uh, from doing choices in a sense. They're just, the body is just doing everything unconsciously. Um, so all these different aspects, every single cell, every bacteria, everything that developed in nature, we are the peak of development. Humans are on the earth at least, we're the peak of development on the earth, and we have not only transcended everything on the earth, but we have included it. So the mammals, reptilians, amphibians, uh, the plant species, bacteria, um, parasites, small insects, whatever, all those things, all those developments are included in us. Now, when we look at the gut system, for example, the, the, our gut has like a worm wave pattern to move food through it. Um, this stage of, when we correlate that to the stage of development, to try to make it not too complex, when we try to correlate how our gut functions to the stage of development that the, the gut would be at, it would be the worm, the stage of development, because it's functioning that way and it's functioning without your brain activity. You don't need, uh, you can be in a coma and your gut is still working to a certain degree. There's still, your cells are still working. Your mitochondria are still creating energy. Now, um, how that is, is produced, that, that, um, that, that it works in a sense, how that it, whole thing is working, the stage of development that it's at, that is called magical or even archaic. That are the first stages of development, the, sta the same that we were at maybe 20,000 years ago when we thought we are so much part of nature and we couldn't, think far beyond what we saw. Now, losing contact to it, our society nowadays is at the rational stage of development mainly, some at the mythical. What that means is we are all scientific, all rational, all is in our head. We are totally working from our mind. We plan our day from our head, how we do things, how we eat. Everything is really controlled by our rational mind. But we forget that the rational mind is a quite new invention. And before we had the rational mind, everything else was working. Um, a worm has a gut system, has, has a kind of digestion system. Um, a, a dog has a system of digestion, of breathing. So when we talk about physical health, we really need to understand that physical health does not relate so much to the rational mind as it does to the animal body and the animal mind and the animal stage of development. Now, we've come a big journey with this. To sum it up, what that means is being in nature and doing what we as animal 
the animal human were supposed to do can be freaking healing to us because that is what all these systems are made for. They are not made for the rational mind only. And connecting back to those parts which are not part of the rational mind, to let go of the rational mind and to just live as an animal. And for example, going out in nature and throwing around rocks, um, hunting, all these things, and maybe with a bow, even bow hunting, um, maybe setting traps. It really gets you out of that rational mind, out of that future planning mind, because you're you're just walking, you're looking, you're listening, you're looking very good, you're looking around you, you're moving, you're breathing, you're, you're feeling the nature moving through you. You maybe have anxiety or you're nervous on the hunt or even fishing can be that. And you're, you're connecting with the animal when, when you're killing it or even with the plants when you're gathering them. And it gets you out of the rational planning mind that we are in all, all day long and can create a big, big, big healing effect for your body and your mind because you're accessing all those lower stages of development which are an intrinsic part of ourselves. Nico, you're a damn good storyteller. Uh, uh, <laughs> the reason I say that, no, I, I, I've never thought about all of that stuff with nature as much. Like all those I've thought of as in, in pieces a little bit. But I think the way that you put that was just absolutely beautiful. So thank you for sharing it. Like, and, and I think it was like almost like a, a very uh, well thought out thought process. Like you've definitely explained that before. Or you've meditated on this quite a bit. Um, so thank no, you. thank you. That 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 really did uh, a better job than I I, I think just uh, saying oh yeah well grounding has these effects and breathing air has these effects and right that's, that's all it. well and good and and I agree with that and I think that's part of it. Um, but the the story and the the showing everything how integrated it is and how we're with like all these other animals and, and across the board. So no, that was that was fantastic. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. Um, 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 it's funny you say that because the big reason for me to look into these those things was that I used the scientific arguments um, with clients, but they didn't do it. Yeah. And I started to ask myself, yeah. It didn't really convince me as well, you know. I, I went out of out to nature not because I thought grounding is good, but just because I loved it. I've grown up that way. And I just thought about, okay, if I wouldn't like to be out in nature necessarily like many people today from, from the rational mind stand, standpoint right. and just from normal life, you know, no, I don't want to get barefoot in the dirt. Would that convince me that you can talk about negative ions and all that? Yeah, beautiful. But would it really make you happy then to go out? No, you would just do do it because your coach tells you it's good for you, because you think you're you're getting negative ions from the earth and all, all kinds of beautiful stuff. But would it be enough to really bring you back to to a fulfilled human being and to be out in nature and you love it and you understand what's going on, you you're in contact with it? And no, not really. So I started to look more into it. What does it mean from a development perspective and for us as human beings uh, more from a mentally emotional standpoint and how that is healing us itself just go out in a forest and I, t I give that as a task to every client who lives in a city I say go for a weekend or so go to a forest camp out at the forest and listen to the tempo to the velocity of the environment around you try to feel the, the velocity of the tempo around you and it's so much less. There's no tempo. There's just trees. It's just everything is like standing still. And yeah, there's a little wind. 
and maybe an animal, but everything is calm and, and so slow. Or at the ocean, the same. The waves are coming. That's why people love the beach. Exactly that is the reason why people love the beach. Why do we like the beach? Because of what I was talking about. We like the beach, yeah, some maybe because there are parties and whatever. But why do we love to lie at the beach in the sun and do nothing? You, you could have a party anywhere. Why are there so many yeah, when you go to it. the beach? Yeah, That's it. Because of that. Because we're in contact with water, with earth or sand. We're lying there in the sun. We're getting daylight. We're doing all that unconsciously. We're craving that unconsciously. We're craving it. And the beach is just something that developed in a sense as something socially acceptable. Being a wild man in the forest was as a certain time in uh, a certain point in time was not necessarily looked at as something good you know maybe in the 1800s being a hunter and being out in the forest all day wasn't necessarily something very valuable because money got more valuable having good clothes having very white skin but the beach developed into something very valuable if you are able to lay on the beach all day long you're a rich person you're a, a powerful person in a sense um, so there are many belief systems that come into that, which is a big thing as well, of course. But uh... <laughs> well, no, you, what you have, what I'm thinking about now too is, I oftentimes like I, I love going for a walks. Like I, I'm just out every day. It doesn't have to be in the woods. I mean, it could just be uh, mm-hmm. around the block or down the street or whatever it is. But it has to be like it's. It, I, I have to do that, right? And mm-hmm. I have lots of patients where they're like. Uh, yeah, I walk for three months of the year, right? Like summertime, they'll go for their walks, maybe a little into the spring, a little into the fall. Uh, but if it's too hot on a day or if there's a little bit of rain or if there's a little bit of this, like if it's too cold out, like that's why this time of year, so many people, like, I can't do it. It's, it's just too cold. And I've been trying to like get across to them, like just the importance of it. And, and I, I don't feel like that I've been that successful, but I, I, I think there are so many things in what you're saying here that I can use now and take home. So, that, that's kind of what's been my thought process on this because I, I don't know why I don't care about the weather, but I don't. But it, I'm trying to relate like to why other people care about it so much and what, what they can do to be able to in, enjoy nature and have all of those benefits of nature without me just saying, well, again, like we talked about like oh, X, Y, Z, like these are all the things that are, it's good for and that's that. Uh, yeah, so that's something I really have to ponder on kind of come up with. All right, what, what, yeah, how, how am I going to put it? It's, it's not easy, um, for sure, and I think the main problem is, and that's where the scientific arguments can be very helpful, is that it's something to be experienced, and that's the thing with storytelling as well. What we, of course, can try to do is tell our own stories of when we were hunting or when we were out somewhere in the woods, and I love that, and when I when I do that, people oftentimes tell me, that sounds actually really beautiful, that sounds amazing or adventurous. Um, that can motivate people, but it's it's something to experience, and I think it's the same way with many different things. Um, we need to get the client or the person or the family member, whoever, to experience something to actually learn to love it. Um, people say that about olives. When you eat olives, the first ones you don't like, um, or certain foods, you know, there's certain foods you have to learn to like, or coffee or alcohol. You first don't like it, but you have reasons why you still do it. Um, that's maybe the same with nature um, for some people, for some clients, especially those the most disconnected. But for, for them, it's the most important. That's the hard thing. The ones that, for you, if you like it, it's the less it's less important to do it in a sense. Then for those who are so disconnected, 
so much in their house or in their apartment that they don't even like to walk through nature anymore. And yeah, that's maybe where we need to give all those arguments and explain the stages of development, how our gut, our organ system develops, and that it's part of our um, archaic brain and uh, archaic stage of development of our reptilian brain. It's it's coordinated by that and not by your rational mind, not by a neocortex in a sense. We can talk about that to to get them to understand that it's really something they need to try to do. And then it, I think it is very helpful to to have the outdoor experience yourself in a sense um, to give them good tips to do it so it's enjoyable. I mean, I wouldn't give a person um, who's who's not really been in nature for 10 years the same weekend that I'm I'm doing. I, I, I can <laughs> be, be out. Much, yeah, yeah. I can be out a whole night, freezing my ass off, thinking I'm dying, thinking I'm having wild boar around me, killing me, and the next day go home and think, what a beautiful night, what a fucking <laughs> fucking fantastic. You can't wait thing. to get back and do it again. Yeah. <laughs> yes. And and other people would be traumatized because they don't necessarily have a concept for that. But that's where buy yourself good clothes, you know, um, when you have a cold weather. Um, knowing good, beautiful places. I mean, everybody. I've I've not met a person yet who's not astonished and blown away by certain sites of nature. If you if you know for a holiday, for example, it's very hard to get people to love nature when they are living in in a big city, for example, and you tell them to go on a walk twice twice a week. The gap is too big because it's not beautiful enough to give you that first love to do it afterwards. For me, it's it's okay. Even walking the, through the city has a certain component of nature to it because I'm out at, in the air, the sun is shining in my face or whatever. Um, but really starting out with a holiday in Colorado in the freaking crazy forest or in somewhere in Canada, if, if it's in the US or Canada, or I mean in Spain and in Portugal, I saw freaking amazing places which everybody would love. Everybody would love them. Um, and starting with, out with that and really going on adventure hikes and doing tours with tour guides, um, this kind of stuff, so you reestablish and re, um, renew your love, really, for that. And it's intrinsic. N- nobody can tell me he doesn't like nature because it doesn't make sense we are part of nature. It, it's like saying you don't like sex. No, it's like, okay, there, there's a certain belief system or certain problem in that, but biologically it's not very very much possible to not like sex um there may be things that hold you back and that's what we can work on um, stuff that i talked about for example that being a nature barefoot is not what a 50 year old woman should do a businesswoman uh, being barefoot or getting dirty or many different belief systems which can hold us back actually from just enjoying the dirt and the sun and the moon and everything Nico, I feel like we could go on for hours. <laughs> this has been awesome conversation. No, so I, I, I want to just say um, thank you for that. Like, I really appreciate just all you've shared. Uh, just I have a page full of notes I'm looking at here. But, I mean, just the, the conversations, like, this is what I love about this. This is what it's all about is, like, getting and, – and just the thought-provoking, just the seeing what else what else is out there, what other experiences can we share. Um, but for people that are looking to – find out more about you if they want to work with you where, where are you going to be this year what, what all are you doing uh find just share where everybody can find out more about you please okay um easy so on my instagram it's quite easy to follow me and get to know where i am what's going on which is prana.alchemy um 
my YouTube channel, I post about one to two videos a week. Sometimes I have a week none because I may be having holiday. Um, it's Holistic Minds. So Holistic Minds, um, you'll find quite a lot of YouTube videos now. I think it's now like 30 or 40. Um, and I'm posting new ones every every week, really. Um, then www.prana-alchemy.com is the best way to contact me. And what I do is you can just contact me. Um, I give free consultations to, to really see how we can figure out working with each other, um, how I can help you. Maybe I even refer you out because sometimes I, I, I don't feel like working with certain people um, or I, I can't because I'm away and they need fast help, so I refer out. Um, but it's the best way to get in contact with me and figure out where we could work together and how. Now now I'm going for three months to Nigeria to work with a woman there. Um, I'll be there the whole time working with her. I'm still doing online coaching, so people interested in online coaching can always contact me. Many different variations of that, many different um, things I do. And that's it, really. That is wonderful. Nico, thank you again for all that you had to share today. Thank you for getting me on, man. It was beautiful to talk to you.